Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, friends. It's the first of our pre-recorded podcasts here the week of August the 7th. I am out of town, as you guys know. Mentioned it on Friday's show, and I think I've punched a few things out there on the socials since then, just to kind of remind everybody of my whereabouts. But I wanted to make sure we had some shows ready to go. So what we will be doing this week, as again noted uh, towards the end of our Friday show, we have, at the very least, two more shows where we'll be going over players who have a case to be drafted number three. We've already talked about Anthony Davis, which... If I had known that news might break on AD like right after Friday's show dropped, maybe I would have flipped the order around a little bit. And we'll talk about that, the uh, Anthony Davis extension for a second. We talked about AD and KD on Thursday. We talked about Steph and Dame on Friday. Four remaining players that I believe have at least some kind of case to be drafted. Third, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, and a Tyrese Halliburton. And you could probably argue that I saved the four most reasonable ones for last. You might have a decent case for that. Steph Curry probably is near that grouping. And then with Anthony Davis, I, you know, I guess the Lakers didn't really have much of a choice. But either way, I like it. I don't know if you guys thought that's where I was going with that. It's a lot of money. $186 million over three years. That's the extension. It's now part of five years that AD will be locked up with LA. And honestly, like, this is what basketball teams do. This is what all of them do when you have a guy who has a game-changing caliber player. You lock him up, warts and all. And AD has his warts. His game's played total is not a beautiful thing. He's had a couple of years where he was able to sort of play through the knickknacks and paddywhacks. Most of the time, it's a little bit more serious than that, and they got to shut him down for a little. But we all saw what he did when he was healthy this year. And maybe even more impressively, we saw what he did in the playoffs this year. Teams were not game planning for LeBron James when they played L.A. They were game planning for Anthony Davis and how to attack the Lakers on defense. Almost everything that teams were doing was trying to figure out how to move Anthony Davis away from the basket somehow so that the players on the team that can't shoot from 33 feet away. So, Steph, okay, you don't have a, a problem with this situation. And then in the playoffs, Jamal Murray also becomes that guy. But nobody else could get anything going against AD near the rim. And I know that this is going to sound insane, but Nikola Jokic, who was outstanding in game one of that series against LA, was very, very good in the other three. But even he has a little bit more trouble. A little bit. Nobody stops Nikola Jokic. He's a monster. So when you have a player like that, you lock him up. We've seen, and it doesn't even need to be at that level to make sense. Boston just gave Jalen Brown about $60 million a year over five seasons, basically. And he's not 
I mean, I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb here to say that Jalen Brown is not really in the same universe as Anthony Davis in terms of their impact on a basketball game. The Celtics are a very, very good team, and Jalen Brown is a nice part of that, but the Celtics are a very, very good team because they're unbelievably deep with talent. Jason Tatum, who's, by all accounts, a more important player for that team than Jalen Brown. Brown, very important. This last year, I mean, obviously, Marcus Smart is important. They had Malcolm Brogdon when he was healthy, scoring 15 points a game. Time Lord, Al Horford. That Celtics team was super deep. And Jalen Brown is a nice part of that, but he's not the guy that teams are like, okay, we got to figure out what on earth are we going to do about Jalen Brown? They're like, okay, let's figure out how we deal with this. So now the Lakers have to pray. There's going to be some prayer involved in this, that Anthony Davis can be upright enough during the regular season. For fantasy purposes, this is also relevant, that the Lakers can get an okay seed going into the playoffs. And then more than anything else, it's that he needs to be upright come postseason time. But we talked about all of that on Thursday when we just thought he was going to be a Laker for at least two years. Now he'll be a Laker through whatever that is, 2028 or something like that. Of course, the chatter in Los Angeles now, I was listening to some sports talk radio as I ran a couple of errands this afternoon, is what happens when LeBron retires? One year, two years, whatever that happens to be. Who do the Lakers go after at that point? And that will be media fodder for ages. Ages and ages and ages. Let's talk about a player that has a shot to be number three. But first, hello. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers. It's a, uh, well, it's Monday for you. I'm not recording this on Monday, and you guys were all well aware of that. Shout out to our amazing fantasy writers at Sports Ethos. Go check them out by getting yourself a fantasy pass. It has the NFL Draft Guide with more now than 115 pieces of content. I was told 75. That was so a couple weeks ago, Dan. We have 115 now. Ooh, boy. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, okay, I flipping through some of the news here as we get ourselves ready. Um, NFL Fantasy Pass is just $4 a month. That's absurdly low. If you're going to participate in fantasy football, this is now the best deal on the interwebs. And if you're going to play multiple fantasy sports, the all-sport package still on sale for only $7 a month is your way to go. If you lock that in now, you can keep that price forever as long as you keep the Fantasy Pass turned on it's going up to 10 by the way this month it's happening in august all right so we got four players left to go over jason tatum luka Doncic, tyrese Halliburton, and shea gilgis alexander and to this point we've kind of been almost working our way in reverse rough reverse order We've done it kind of in pairs of players that are somewhat similar in semi-reverse order of guys that probably have the best case to be that number three pick. I didn't think that Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant has all that great of a case. Dame, not much of a case. Steph, a little bit more of a case. 
And again, this isn't in perfect order, but I would think that the next guy on that list would be Luka Doncic, who is one category away from being in this conversation, and he will go in the top three or four in a lot of leagues because he is that one category away. Or if you're punting free throws, Luka moves up to number four this past season, and he's basically right in there with Joel Embiid, who moves down in the ranks when you give away some of his positive free throw attributes. But then Anthony Davis actually moves up a little bit, and so it's not... It's an imperfect ranking system because, you know, Nicholas Claxton actually moves up to number five if you're punting free throws. But obviously, you're not taking Nick Claxton in the first round. You're looking at guys that are going to go there. So if you're considering this path, this is where you'd have to take Luka. From an overall, will he hit this mark in a traditional nine-cat ranking standpoint, the answer is probably no. Because to this point, we haven't seen him sustain a good foul shooting number for the entirety of a season, and that is what it would take to get him there. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. But Lucas' counting stats are ridiculous. 32.5 points, almost three threes, 8.5 boards, 8 assists, 1.4 steals, half a block. Good field goal percent now. That's something that has pivoted into, well, darn near a positive for him. And then the turnovers are always going to be high. But they actually weren't that exceptionally bad this last year at 3.6. There are plenty of other guys that were kind of in that neighborhood. Nuzzled up against him. You know, Harden had 3.4. Dame, 3.3. Jokic was actually 3.6 this year. Embiid, 3.4. It wasn't an overwhelming difference between Luka and some of those other high-volume dudes in turning the basketball over. So no huge problem there either. Still... You know, we do this on this podcast all the time. If you're punting free throws and you have the third pick, I get it. Because a lot of these other high guys have their value, at least partially due to free throw shooting. Anthony Davis and Luka Doncic are the only players inside the top 20 that were negative value free throw shooters. JJJ was extremely close to break even. I guess we could call him a very small negative value foul shooter, but he didn't move very far when you turn that off. It's just that everybody else around him dropped back. So Jokic 
fell back to the pack a little bit. Anthony Davis actually uh, moved up the board a little. Embiid fell back. Halliburton fell back. KD fell back. Steph, Kyrie, Shea went way down the board with free throws off of it. Giannis, of course, jumped all the way up the board from 200 to 9, basically. But at that point now, you're picking between do you want to do the punt free throw with Luka or do you want to do the punt free throw with Giannis? The difference there is how badly do you need field goal percent from that guy that's punting free throws for you? And the answer is probably not all that much because you're likely going to draft some centers who are extraordinary at field goal percent and absolute dog do at free throws. So you can cover that difference. You don't need to get field goal percent out of Giannis in the first round. It's much harder to get your scoring, which Luka was a little bit better than Giannis, but it was pretty close. You want the assists. You want the three-pointers. Those are more valuable in this instance. Punting free throws. You can cover blocks with guys you get later in this thing. Cover field goal percent with guys you get later Because those dudes are on the board for you, and they're probably not so much on the board for everybody else. Just thinking through some of the, like, mid-tier guys that bounced up the table. Mitchell Robinson covers you in field goal and blocks. You'll get him. You can go get him before other people. Gobert, Capella. These are guys that you'll be able to get sooner than likely most of the other players in in your league. So... The whole punt notion, folks that would take Giannis over Luka, I, I get it. I mean, I like they're both very exciting, but Luka played more games. Giannis has actually been more dinged up lately than Luka has. Yes, could there be a slight Doncic step back with Kyrie there all season long? Yeah, that's a distinct possibility. But, boy, if, you, like, if you're powerhousing the non-free throw stuff, you're probably going to want to get your assist guy here. You're going to want to get your three-pointers there because a lot of the guys you're going to be targeting are not going to be as prolific there. And if you don't get your hand on the poor shooting guards that fit your build, this makes sure that at least you're not starting off at a huge disadvantage. Like, what if you don't get De'Aaron Fox? That's who everybody's going to be thinking about in this instance. And there are other names that fit it as well. It's part of the reason why, and I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. It's part of the reason why I don't, I still to this day don't really love punting on draft night, which I know makes me a little bit of a square man. You're a square man going for all nine categories. Part of that is because I play more to roto than head to head. But even on the head to head side, I just, I don't like taking names off the board. And then it's also. Like, the popular punts, it's, you almost always have more than one team punting the popular things. I can look at my head-to-head leagues, and, like, almost every year, two teams are punting free throw or field goal percent or both. Because these are competitive leagues. Competitive head-to-head leagues, you almost have to punt something. You're generally not going to be good enough at all nine things. The advantage, of course, to attacking all nine, at least from the outset, is that you give yourself more buffer. If someone on your team goes down, you lose a couple of categories, you can still win the week. If you are punting multiple categories and the key guys go down on your team, 
you might end up losing those things anyway. You take a few zeros. Injuries in particular are rough because you take a few zeros in a league. Maybe you don't have a ton of IL slots. Now you're piling up big losses when your best case scenario most weeks is a 6-3 win. And I'm not going to make an argument for not punting here because I I really do in head-to-head feel like you basically have to at this point. If you're a competitive league, you kind of have to punt something. I just think it's better to get creative with it. And the Luka punt free throw build is extremely predictable at this point. I'm not talking about inter- like beginner and intermediate leagues. You can you'll run the table on those dudes if you're good at punting and you're not playing against tough competition. If you're playing against the tough ones and your target guys go off the board, which is basically like you know, you're looking at guards uh, let's see. You're looking at guards, guards that aren't that great at foul shooting. Uh, Anthony Edwards, I guess, would fall into that category. Fox is one that everybody likes to target because he's high 70s. Oh, the aforementioned Jalen Brown, John ja Morant. Interesting early pairing there. But then you got all these big guys you could snap up that's super easy because they're guys that other teams just won't grab later in a draft center-eligible players later in a draft that are god-awful at foul shooting, they they blow past everybody. Someone like a Steven Adams would never get drafted by a team that isn't bunting foul free throws. You know? Steven Adams is, is full-on useless if you're not bunting free throws. He shot 36% at the line last year. He went basically from unrosterable to top 60. Mason Plumley is rosterable if you're punting free throws. Jakob Pertl would have been like a top, whatever, top 20 type of guy last year if you're punting free throws. Like, the the options just become, they're, they're limitless on the big man side. It's the guards that you have to figure out. So if you now run into someone else in your league that's trying to do a similar thing, maybe a Giannis punt, someone's going to end up with Giannis if you're taking Luka, and that team's almost definitely going to be fighting you for the free throw guys. The other option is you go Luka and you don't punt foul shots, but you've now set yourself behind a little bit. So my argument there remains the same as it has been for a very long time. I get it. It's a viable punt strategy, but it's a little bit... I I think telegraphed is the right word for it. If someone else in your league notices you've done that, they could even poach the, the key guy you need to complete your punt. And if you don't get those 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 guys and you're filling in your big man stats, which are easier to get, you're going to find yourself in a tougher spot in scoring, assists, threes. You've got to get your key dudes unless you go with the partial, which is a soft punt. But that's not something you're going to do if you're going Luka at three. You could also make the argument that you hope that this is the year where Luca's free throws come around, and anything's possible. He's had half seasons where he's shot closer to 80% at the foul line, and that makes him a mid-first rounder, mid to late. It just has never lasted the entire year. That's all. I hope you guys spent some time last week checking out our buddies over at calderalab.com. I really hope so, because um, I'm... 
I don't have the quote on my dead hard drive yet, but I know that I'm going to need you guys to hang out with our buddies. Uh, where is it? I think I, I think I turned up the, the stuff here. Where, where did I put it? Hold on. We got this. Bam. I did find it. Good for me. Good for me. First impressions matter. What's the first thing that someone notices about you? Oftentimes it's your face. I guess not every time. If you walked into a room, I think of the scene from Happy Gilmore and Shooter says, you know what else would draw a crowd? Golfer with an arm growing out of his you-know-what. He said it, but this is a kid's show, damn it. This is a family program. So let's assume you don't have an arm growing out of your butt. What are people going to notice? It's your face. What's your face made up of? Largely skin. It's time to put your best face forward. And how do you do that? By adding a skincare routine. Skincare has been female-dominated for too long. It's time now to exit the wild, wild west of men's skincare product and dive in with calderalab.com. Use promo code ETHOS, exclusive promo code. Get 20% off with ETHOS, the code, at calderalab.com. C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. That is 20% off at calderalab.com by using code ETHOS. Jump into skin and first impression royalty with calderalab.com. A minute in the morning and a minute at night, and you will look a hell of a lot better. Maybe you look great already. Don't take that the wrong way. The other player I wanted to talk about today, as we continue to sort of move towards the easier and easier cases, and there is a case for Luca at number three. Absolutely. I get it. But you do, you do hamstring yourself a little. Maybe you're like, well, you can cover Luca's free throw shooting. They are correct. You can. But it's going to take some doing. You're going to need probably multiple players that you grab later to cover that up, especially because you then haven't taken big men who often will put a little dent in your foul shooting as well. There's this cumulative effect. Who are the names we've got left? We got Halliburton. We got Jason Tatum. And we got Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Let's talk a little bit about Jason Tatum. I want to leave Shea and, and Hallie for the end. Jason Tatum this last year finished at number 11 on a per-game basis, but he played in 74 ball games, which was far and away the most of anybody in the top anything, basically. Tatum played 74. Uh, the next player that hit the 70s was Demonis Sabonis at number 21, so it was basically a full round later in nine-category per-game ranking. Which, that again, that allows a guy like Tatum to go from number 11 to number 4 by totals. He leapfrogs a bunch of players along with some guys that came up behind him. There is an intrinsic value in that. But I ask you all, or maybe I say, it's a question, but quoth the great Jack Nicholson, maybe this is as good as it gets. Do we think Jason Tatum's going to do more next year? This dude took 21 shots per game and eight and a half free throws on a club that 
brought in Kristaps Porzingis. I know they sent out Marcus Smart, but he's not a usage guy. Porzingis is used to taking more shots than Marcus Smart, and maybe this injury to Malcolm Brogdon does that put a little bit more shoulders put a little bit more on other players. But I just I don't see a planet where Tatum can do more than he did this year. 21 shots a game. That's a truckload. That's that's medical terminology. It is the most he's taken any season in his career. Last two years in a row, he took 20.6. He also had basically a career high in shooting this last year. If you eliminate uh, his rookie season where his... uh, free throw or his three point percent was unseasonably high and also a lower percentage of his overall shots he took nine plus three pointers a game this year shot only 35 percent on them that was a little bit lower I suppose you could argue maybe that just sort of bounces up at random but the foul shooting ain't getting any better he took eight and a half of those per game that was a career best rebounding was a career best 8.8 assists was a career high Some of this is because he also played a career high in minutes per game this last year at 37 per ball game. 1.1 steals is right on his career mark. 0.7 blocks is right on his career mark. I don't think he gets better. I don't know where he gets better, honestly. This feels like a leveling off point for Tatum. Maybe decision-making? Turnovers at 2.9? Could that come back down to like 2.7? I just don't see the category that's going to get a robust tweak this offseason and move him from someone who was bunched in there, basically with JJJ Kawhi, who, again, you give him an entire season, Kawhi would have been better than Tatum per game. Porzingis was actually in there with those guys. Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, even Tyrese Halliburton were all relatively close to him. And then he jumps past them because of that totals push. Like, is there a world where Tatum could get up into that top three per game? I don't believe so. It's just too far to go. Totals, yeah. I mean, he was number four last year, so he was right there. He had a little ways to go to catch Joel Embiid, admittedly. But also, he was buoyed, buttressed, elevated by the note that everybody in front of him played a very low number of games. You could easily see Tyrese Halliburton playing, I would say, far more games this coming season. I think you'll see Durant play more games this coming season. I think you see Steph probably play more. Dame probably doesn't get shut down, provided he's traded. It's not going to be as easy for Tatum to pass all these guys on the total side. He might still do it. But in my eyes, I would rather, if I've got that third pick, I'm looking for guys that I think have a chance to actually be near that per game. And I just don't see it with Tatum. There was too much ground to cover between him and the grouping of Shea, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant. Those were like the three guys that were up in that incredible range of per-game numbers. And I know that sometimes on this podcast we oversimplify the analysis. This may be one of those scenarios. I also think that for Boston, there just sort of isn't that big of a point 
enroll in Tatum out there for 90% of their team's games again. It's not necessary. It's not that he ran out of gas in the playoffs. They made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're one game away from going to the Finals. He hasn't shown really any kind of signs of wearing down. He's still only 25 years old. But at some point in a non-COVID season, Jason Tatum's going to have a little injury. The Celtics are going to realize that they should kid-glove it a little bit. And his powerhouse stat, which effectively is games played, won't be as impressive. He might not beat everyone else in the first round by frickin' 10 or more games played, which is basically what happened and basically why he jumped from 11 to 4. Jimmy Butler at 64 games was the closest in that long list of players between 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. None of those guys played any kind of games played numbers this year. The 10th category is very real. You guys hear me lecture about that all the time. So it, it, it does feel a little bit weird that I'm kind of arguing the opposite side today. And frankly, if someone took Tatum at three, my thought would be, all right. I just feel like, and maybe this again is more of a extremely competitive league thought process. You probably can't, I say can't, that's the wrong word. Let's rewind that. You will have a very hard time winning a hyper-competitive league if you have the third overall pick and you're not gunning for a player who has that per-game thump. Because this year, Jokic, Embiid, and to a lesser extent, Shea, had a thump when they played. Anthony Davis actually had a little bit of that thump as well. When they were playing early in the season, Anthony Davis, not so much the AD as he was coming back from the foot stuff, or Kevin Durant pre-trade, pre-injury. Those guys had a thump that for a head-to-head team in particular, if you had a four-game week out of those dudes, you, you practically had it in the bag. Shea was going to win you free throw percent. Might have even won you field goal percent. Scoring, he practically wins you in a four-game week. Tatum's really close to him in that. But that's really all that you can point to with Tatum and say, this is it, like, four-game week, Jason Tatum, probably going to win scoring. It's really not that clear that he's going to get you to any other specific category. You need those hyper-elite things. But, on the other side, in a four-game week, you generally felt pretty good that Tatum was going to play all four of those games in a way that you certainly won't with Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Steph, Dame this last year, Halliburton once he got shut down, Butler for large portions. So I get it. The case for Tatum at number three is, I would argue, the best case to make so far because he's more durable than pretty much everybody else in the top 20. And that means something. And I know that guys are sort of healthy until they're not. And that's fine. But trying to guess the year that they won't be is sort of a... It's a little bit of a better's fallacy as well. A lot of times in sports betting, you'll see uh, very smart people try to get in front of a value pivot. I would caution them to do... You guys have heard me lecture this how well. I always say, you don't need to be the smartest person in the room. 
be the second smartest person in the room in sports betting. And what I always meant by that was, and this is the same thing with a stock market, you don't have to try to guess when something is either bottoming out or topping out. You can try. You're not going to get it very often. What's a lot easier to do is just accept that you're probably going to miss it if you kept trying, and you're oftentimes going to do better by actually seeing something turn a corner before you start going the other way. A good example of this, win streaks against the spread or otherwise in basketball. A lot of times you'll see somebody look and go, well, this team is overvalued because they've now covered four games in a row or something like that. It's not quite so linear. If the team is outperforming their power rank, they will continue to cover until they stop outperforming their power rank. What you need to figure out is once that rank has actually tipped back to the other side. And for basketball, a lot of times it's easier to just wait until they stop looking so good. And that's kind of what this is for me with Jason Tatum. You could say, well, Dan, you can't really handicap on games played. I don't believe that that's true. I think that there is, it's, you're never, it's not 100%, but guys have track records and they are real. Anthony Davis is more than likely going to have a lower games played total this coming season than Jason Tatum. Could it go the other way? Absolutely. This is all probability. What do you think the probability is that Anthony Davis plays more games than Jason Tatum? 10, 15%, 20%? Is it that high? Probably lower. That still means it happens. One out of every five years. One out of every six years. So when that one out of six happens, and this is the same thing with sports betting, you'll see a lot of people that are like, see, told you so. And it's like, well... This is why we don't really draft that many rookies. One out of every eight. I think Alex Rickling looked this up, and it's like one out of every eight or something beats their ADP for guys drafted inside the top 100 or inside the top 90 or something like that. Alex, I'm sorry if I biffed that statistic, and I'm sure I did. It's the same thing. Simplify your existence. Go with track record. Go with probability. And that's why the case for Jason Tatum is reasonable, because these guys that are in front of him in a per-game note, he probably will play more games than those guys, even if he comes back to the pack, and even if they get a little bit better. But that's also why I probably don't take Tatum at three, is because I do think he comes back to the pack a little bit. I think you're probably looking at more like a 70 for Tatum this year. And the guys that stunk in staying healthy, AD, KD, Steph, Dame... Hallie, I think those guys actually come back up towards Tatum and the pack a little bit. Like, maybe you see Anthony Davis in the low 60s this year. Maybe Kevin Durant gets into the 60s. I think Steph does. I think Dame does. Halliburton, I would say, almost as a guarantee, provided a non-catastrophic, nothing catastrophic goes down. So as you close that gap a little bit, the case for Jason Tatum doesn't become quite as strong. And that's ultimately what likely steers me away from him. Because he was only able to push past those guys because of how bad they were at actually staying on the court. If those guys are closer in games played, he wouldn't be able to push past them. I still like him, though. He has the best case of anybody we've talked about so far. On tomorrow's show, we'll talk about the two players that probably have the best case to go number three in your fantasy league. 
Tyrese Halliburton, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, in some order or another. Thanks for listening, everybody. This was your pre-recorded Monday edition of Fantasy NBA Day. Sports Ethos presentation. I am Dan Vespers. Check out again the all-sport fantasy pass over at Sports Ethos. And remember, Ethos is the code to get 20% off over at calderalab.com. Hasta mañana.